I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome in, everybody. Another edition of the Coast to Coast. We are not live this week just because there's so much going on with football. And uh, shout out to Tommy Ashley for getting all this stuff scheduled. But we are indeed here, and it is the Coast to Coast podcast. And I am still Joey Powell. We are still on InsideCarolina.com. And we are still brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. And we appreciate you being here with me as always, Sherelle McMillan, Sean Moran. Glad you guys are here. Appreciate you making the time. Sherelle, let's go ahead and jump into it. Uh, was was this weekend the best game that you've seen Jacoby Cowan play for North Carolina? Oh, absolutely. He had a sack. I mean, a, a huge sack. It was a timely sack. Um, man, was, yeah. man was in on all kinds of pressures. There, which there's, was his... there's a reason Ohio State wanted him, you know? I wonder how many people are going to turn the show off right now <laughs> after hearing that. No, it's uh, we will say that uh, – Sherell, if if you guys haven't noticed, my man loves to talk Carolina football, and unfortunately, doesn't get to do that much in a podcast setting. So I'm just I'm throwing him some pizza crumbs wherever I can, uh, fellas. We've done these previews so far this year, and, and I appreciate what you guys have, have brought to the last two episodes. Let's wrap up today with the guys that have been uh, grad transfers that joined the UNC roster. Uh, those two remaining players are Paxson Wojcik and Cormac Ryan. Uh, so if you think about the first four that we did a month ago, the four that we did for the juniors and seniors last month or two weeks ago, last episode, uh, then you add these two guys and it's 10 players. And you're saying to me, hey, Joey, there's more than 10 guys on the roster. Yes, but also these are the guys that we expect that will contribute. The other guys are uh, are, are walk-ons or guys that have been added to the roster that um, you know are, are going to basically make up Blue Steel. So uh, forgive us for not noting those guys, but again, we're – trying to look at the 10 that are going to most likely make contributions to the Tar Heel roster this year for basketball season. So in the same format we did with the last two episodes with those groups of four players, tonight we'll talk about these last two, Paxson Wojcik and Cormac Ryan. First, you may remember Paxson Wojcik. He was the first guy to commit to, to, to the Tar Heels after the season via the transfer portal. 
uh, from Brown up there in the Ivy League. His dad years ago, uh, Sean Moran's favorite, Doug Wojcik, um, coached in North Carolina under Matt Doherty. Uh, and so, again, coach's son, all that good stuff. Sean, I'm going to come to you first. I want you to tell me what success looks like for Paxton Wojcik. Well, what success looks like for Paxton Wojcik, I think, is being a player that Hubert Davis can count off on uh, coming off the bench. I think if I think there's going to be games where maybe he's not getting any minutes, but I think if he's able to carve out a consistent role off the bench, I would consider that a huge win. Um, I think the biggest uh, biggest hurdle will just be in, in terms of how he adjusts to the increased size and athleticism of ACC basketball and and Power Five uh, basketball in general, coming from Brown for two years, where he's second team All Ivy as well as Loyola Chicago. Uh, he he definitely had games playing against UNC, Michigan State, some of the top schools, um, not to mention practicing against Michigan State players over the uh, past summers with his, his dad there. But I think the main thing is, can he carve a consistent role off the bench? Uh, and if he does, I think part of that will be hitting hitting outside shots uh, and and being able to, to get to the uh, attack the basket uh, when the opportunity presents itself. And obviously, you know, you make a great point that, yeah, Tar Heel fans may say, oh, he's coming from Brown, blah, 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 blah. Remember, he lit North Carolina up or at least had some some serious buckets and a game face on when he played in the Smith Center just a couple of seasons ago. Sherell, I'll ask you the second question that we've been doing with these previews. What should fans expect from Paxson Wojcik? So I'm going to be like one of those announcers uh, who comes up with a cheesy line and like thinks it's funny and laughs at it. But I oh, think... you're, you're stealing my gimmick now, bro. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think he should be... North Carolina CAO, Chief Agitating Officer, because <laughs> that is what I think he should should do. And, you know, the other guy we're going to talk about tonight, I think, is one of them. And we talked about Seth Trimble a few weeks ago. But I think those three are who Carolina needs to be the agitators. And what I mean by that is um, there's not going to be a huge role for them, well, for two of them, I think, offensively. I think Trimble's, you know, paths and minutes is, is we've talked about as his defense. I think Wojcik is kind of similar. I think he has to just go in there and just like make a mess of stuff. You know, there, there are players who um, develop that as a skill over time. They, they there's agitate. entire teams that do that. Yeah, like, there's exactly. entire squads yeah. that we've seen over the last few years that that's their MO. Right. Go they ahead. I'm sorry to they, step on you. No, they agitate, they, they, they frustrate, they annoy. Um, and, you know, the, I, I think that's a counter to the athleticism part because he, he is going to face guys who are more athletic than him. But what he's got to do is, you know, to use a phrase, he's got to get up into the guy on, on when he's on defense and he's got to bother him. He's got to make him earn every single thing that he gets. And I think if he's able to do that from the defensive side and then keep his, uh, you know, pretty good shooting. I think he was at 38 percent last year in conference in the Ivy League. He was up close to 40. So if he can do that, you know, knock down a, a three every couple games and in his limited minutes, just frustrate whoever he's guarding, which probably be, I would, I would assume, the opposing two. Um, I think if he's having to guard opposing threes, that could get a little dicey. Um, but if he can do that, I, I think that's that's success for him, and I think that's what people can expect from him is, is to agitate and to knock down open shots. We need to find a way to hashtag and also trademark CAO in, in case it becomes a thing, right? If that becomes one of the things where Hubert Davis and his staff are deploying Paxson Wojcik in that very much – all right, go piss somebody off role. We need to find a way to work on um, incorporating CAO into a lot more conversations. Sean? I think, you know, the other the other thing is just, once again, these are Ivy League stats, but he he did 
fill the stat sheet, uh, really strong rebounder and was able to push the ball. So I think once again, in, in the minutes that he is getting, if he's able to, you know, a, attack the defensive boards and init- help initiate the fast break, I think can be extremely helpful. Uh, good steal numbers as well from the defensive end, which Sherelle was mentioning. And I think from a three-pointer perspective, he didn't shoot the ball well as a junior, so he did have a big jump up uh, last year. So I think that's always a question, you know, can't, you know, what is he the junior year shooter? Or is he the senior year shooter? But I think one number that jumped out when, when diving into the stats was he was 46% from three on no dribble three point jump shots. So I think once again, going back to the Elliot Cadeau factor, if, if they're able to produce open jump shots for some of these guys on, on the perimeter, um, you know, I think that's, that's one stat to, to keep in mind, especially for, Wojcik, where maybe that's the the area offensively that they're, they're that they're trying to identify for him. Yeah, good call out, Sherelle. And I'd add too. Um, you talk about specialists. You know, if, if we're talking about football, there are guys who are in certain packages and, and they have pretty much one job in, in that package. And I think for UNC, you could see a, a closing lineup where you've got someone like Wojcik, who's very smart, who's very tried and true, battle tested, um, who's a pretty solid free throw shooter. Who you expect to make the right play. You could see him in some situations where North Carolina is kind of holding on to a lead. You know, maybe they're up 10 to 12 at the under four and they need someone to just come in who can hit a free throw and, and it's not going to turn the ball over and can dribble. You know, so I, could, I could see him having a, a role, like a specialized role, aside from the, the chief agitating officer role, also as someone who can come in in a closing lineup. Yeah, it's 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 rare that we've seen that from North Carolina to have you know that kind of guy to go in and play those kind of minutes. But I do think fans would love to see that situation where they do have guys that can go in and hold on to a lead and not melt down and and not you know gag the ball away or create havoc for themselves uh, and it does seem like Paxson Wojcik could fill that role. Uh, the other remaining member that we have yet to we have yet to profile, uh, Cormac Ryan, and he, he comes from uh, comes from Notre Dame, has played on some decent Notre Dame teams, but also has played on some not so good Notre Dame teams, uh, and I think that has affected his performance. Sherelle, I'm going to come to you and ask you what uh, success looks like for Cormac Ryan. And while he may not be the CAO, uh, he is definitely either the vice president of agitation or is on the agitation subcommittee within the company. Um, he has more skills, I think, than that. So he may not have to be relied on to just be a CAO. Uh, but he's definitely shown that he's got some, uh, some agitating tendencies. Yes. You tell me what does success look like for Cormac Ryan this coming season? Yeah, he's on the board of governors for the agitators. Uh, let's put it that way. Fair. All right, that uh, works. Yeah, I think success for him kind of looks like his junior year profile, where he was a pretty prolific shooter, um, where he was a good passer. He was on a Notre Dame team that was much better than it was this past season. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it looks like, I don't want to say he's going to take over as the primary wing defender, but he's going to be on the wing a lot, playing a lot of minutes. So, kind of de facto he might be the primary wing defender so i think he has to continue to agitate he has to buy in on that side i think the early returns from what we've heard uh, out of chapel hill is that he's been really impressive and um just like wojic and just like withers and uh just like baycott and, and davis and, and the guys who came out from unc you know they all of those guys were embarrassed by their teams last year and how they played and i think um that's been kind of the, the fuel uh, for them this offseason. I think Ryan, he's not really someone who needs additional fuel, but the fact that he <laughs> has it 
is a good thing for UNC. So I think success looks like um, being able at times to guard the primary wing option on the other team. And again, uh, just like with Withers and Ingram, when you get an open shot, because Cadeau and Davis are going to get you open shots, and to some degree, Baycott knocking them down. So if he can knock them down like he did as a junior, I think it's a really successful season for him. I hadn't thought about that, but that is a very unique perspective. The fact that not only the UNC players want to get last season out of their mouths, but yeah, Jalen Withers came from a garbage team last year in Louisville. Uh, Harrison Ingram, Sanford was not great last year. Notre Dame was somewhat of a garbage team last year. So, I mean, all of these guys could be looking to, I guess, kind of burn the tape from last season. Uh, in, and as you said, also including the guys from, from UNC who did not make the tournament. So uh, that's a very unique uh, potentially solidifying or um, unifying factor that they all might be working with. Sean, I'm going to come to you and, and help me understand what should fans expect from Cormac Ryan. Uh, and, and, you know, is is the easy, low-hanging fruit to say, oh, he's going to do the same thing Brady Manick did? Or, or, or are we looking at more of a real legitimate three and should fans expect to get uh, three and D out of him instead of, you know, the traditional Manick role? Um, well, before, in terms of a unifying fact that could also be a fairly scary fact of, of uh, everybody coming from teams that did not perform well last season and, and getting together, but I'll uh, hopefully believe it, it will create that motivation. Um, uh, definitely not Brady Manic in terms of what, what to expect, but I think um, he's going to have the ability to shoot, but he, he is more than, than a shooter. Uh, but just staying on the, the shooting perspective, I think, I'm really excited to see how is how is he going to be utilized in the offense. He can create a little bit for himself off the dribble, but um, you know how how will UNC use him coming off screens um, and trying to get him open for for good looks uh, at the three point line. He's he's pretty good at attacking, especially on the left hand in terms of a one to two dribble pull up jump shot. He can he can create space um, in in that sense as well. But I think for him, if he's able to get 10 10 to 12 points uh last year he was at, at 12 points but if he's in that 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 range and he's had some games where he's getting consistently uh double figures alabama 29 points in the first round of the tournament just just torched them two years ago so he he's capable of having big games but i think how unc utilizes him is going to be really important um and then he's definitely not going to be the lockdown defender that leaky black was but i think the hope is what you lose in somebody being able to lock, just take somebody completely out of the game that he's still able to uh, stay in front, frustrate, um, you know, create difficulties, but at the same time have that offensive offensive ability where he's going to be a threat. Sometimes he could be the leading scorer of a game and you wouldn't, you wouldn't think twice about it. I think the consistent consistency on offense will be really important to what he can bring to the table. I think a lot of people would look at Cormac Ryan and, and assume um, assume certain things about him, but having seen him play in the ACC for quite some time and seen some footage that's come out of uh, early season practice in Chapel Hill, he's not afraid to try to snatch a soul. Uh, Sherelle, you had something you wanted to add? Ed, I think Sean made a great point about how I think the hope for him, um, you know, not comparing him directly one-to-one -to, -one to Leaky Black, but from a, a defensive stopper to, to someone like him is that the offense is so much greater that it impacts, you know, the defense. So if you look at his like advanced, you know, numbers like his defensive rating and his offensive rating, of course, plus his, minus too. Yeah, you know, his his best, um, you know, his best net, you know, between the two was the year that he had the most 
you know, the best offensive season. So he's never been his his defensive rating has never been under a hundred, um, which is kind of you know baseline. But the year that he was at one seventeen <laughs> offensively, which is you know pretty good, you know he had he had a plus seventeen uh, rating. So I, I think that's the goal is that the the defense is going to take a step back because Leaky Black was just that good of a defender. He almost always erased the opposing wing. We, we saw what he did to Brandon Miller, the number two pick in the draft, on and on and on. You know, he guarded everybody from Paolo Banchero to uh, Kihei Clark, you know, 6'10", 250 to, you know, 5'11", 145. It didn't matter. Leaky could guard him. But I think what Carolina is hoping is that Ryan is going to be better offensively and, and that's going to kind of equal out. So they'll still be kind of uh, similar uh, as far as what they produce. They'll just be in different ways defensively and offensively. Yeah, I think that one-for-one one exchange would be tough for people to see. But to your point, the overall net uh, of what you're getting from the player or the position or both uh, could end up you know, actually being very, very similar. And I think on the offensive end is where you know a lot of folks had criticisms of Leaky Black. He, he finally did uh, start scoring his last year in Chapel Hill, but you know, a lot of folks needed more out of him specifically two years ago when it felt as if sometimes he was he was kind of that self-check mode. I don't think you'll ever have to worry about that with with Cormac Ryan. Uh, guys, I'm going to I'm going to lighten the mood a little bit here and, and really uh, put a nice bow on, on the show uh, a little bit early because I know you're both ready to bring back the the game show that is sweeping the nation uh, It's absolutely got listeners and viewers riveted uh, with waiting for the next episode. But that's a new edition of No Cap or Sus. You may uh, have just been t- tuning into the, the first Coast to Coast in quite some time. You might be looking at me or listening to me saying, hey, Joey, I'm not familiar with this No Cap or Sus, but I've heard lots about it on the streets. Well, we're here for you to hear you how it, to let you hear how it goes firsthand. Uh, no Cap or Sus is a game where we, the Coast to Coast podcast, uh, and trying to not be so chuggy and, and be up to date with what the kids are saying nowadays, uh, we're going to bring you no cap or sus, wherein we say no cap, that means that is 100% true. I believe in that. That is a real thing. Or if we identify something as sus, that means we have our doubts or we think that that may be untrue or may even be fully false. Uh, so what we're going to do is I'm going to say some statements. Sean and Sherelle are going to chime in as to where they think said statement is no cap or if they think said statement is sus. Gentlemen, are you ready to play? And we have, hearing no we have, we, we've yet to disagree, so interested to see. No, we disagreed in the first one, but we did not disagree last week. So uh, our our show writers have tried to kind of go back into the lab on their hashtag grind to give some better statements for tonight so that uh, you guys may actually clash on some of these things and have to think really hard on whether these potential points of contention are no cap or if they are sus. So without further ado, we bring you the next edition and the first statement we will bring out, Paxson Wojcik will average over eight minutes per game. Sean Moran, is that statement no cap or is that statement sus? I will go no cap on that one. I think uh, he, he will average eight minutes. That's a good, that's a good Vegas, uh, Vegas number, though, because I think you can see some fluctuation uh, getting you know, maybe 10 to 13 minutes. Other games, maybe one to two. Uh, there might be a game where... He doesn't get any minutes, so that obviously wouldn't count against uh, against that eight minutes. But I think I think he he was the first transfer to commit. Um, I think he's going to be able to prove uh, prove himself in practice, and I think uh, especially as they're looking early on, looking to identify what this team is, I think he'll be able to carve out a consistent consistent role early on. So you're going no cap here. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Sean says no cap on that statement. Sherelle, Paxson Wojcik will average over eight minutes per game. No cap or sus. <sighs> I was in my head. I was going to do like a whole Stephen A. Smith thing and, and call Sean Skip and like go off. Um, but I agree with him. Like, I think eight is a really good number. Like, I, I bet he's around 7.9 or 8.3 or something <laughs> like that. So well done, Joey. But, um, you know, last year, I think we saw some of the times that, you know, I, actually something we've been saying for years. It's not it's not uh, breaking news, but currency, the currency in which coaches operate is trust. And, um, you know, to Sean's point, he was the first commit. Um, he's been around, you know, him and, and Ryan, this is their third school in, uh, I guess, their sixth year of college basketball. And when you are around basketball that much and, you know, you're a coach's son and you've just been around the whole the game your whole life, I feel like, you know, it's easier for you to, to kind of know what to do in certain situations like we were talking about earlier. Uh, so I think when you're Hebrew Davis and you're looking down your bench, it's, it's like, well, who can I trust to go in here and do exactly what I want them to do? And I think for that reason, you know, I think Wojcik gets minutes and I think it'll be at least eight a game. So I'm, I'm going to say no cap. Wow. We have agreement and consensus on no cap with another point here on the show. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I will say, though I do not have a vote being the host of the show, I would have said sus. But then when Sherelle made his point earlier in the, the evening about uh, about the fact that you could see Paxson Wojcik being deployed in a very specialist role towards the end of games to maintain leads. That may have also swayed me over to the no cap side. So once again, we are unanimous, blah, blah, blah. We may have to blow up the show. You guys clearly don't care about ratings. Uh, last point in this uh, abbreviated edition of no cap or sus. Shrill, I will come to you first. Cormac Ryan will be starting when the calendar turns to January. Is that statement no cap or is that statement sus? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, man. Uh, this is terrible radio because I'm trying to make up my mind. Uh, I'm going to say that is no cap because uh, I think when you start talking about what UNC needs on the wing, um, he, he provides a, a little bit different from someone like Jalen Withers. And I think he, uh, you know, frankly, it's not disrespect to Wojcik. I think he's a better player than Wojcik. And I think there are some of the things that he does better than Seth Trimble. There's some things that Trimble does better than him. But in the end, uh, I think you have to have Ryan on the court because he is a solid defender. He's proven to be a good shooter. And he does have, you know, four years of ACC experience and a year of Pac-12 experience. I think when you add all that together, that I think he will be in the starting lineup. But I think it's probably closer than we all realize. Um, uh, so I'm going to say uh, no cap. He, he'll be in the starting lineup in January. All right. But with a to to do a uh, to do a uh, Jason Staples a, a confidence rating of zero point zero zero two. We're talking thousands of a percentage point in confidence rating there. Uh, Sean Moran, Cormac Ryan will be starting when the calendar flips to January. Sherelle has said no cap. Do you believe that is also no cap or do you believe that statement to be sus? I will go no cap as well, but with a lot more confidence rating on it. I think I would, I would be extremely surprised if, if it, it, it is a conversation at any point in the season. I think one, we haven't seen 
Hubert Davis really make any changes in the starting lineup for the most part over over two years that haven't been really forced uh, for him to make. And I think uh, Cormac Ryan has given his his experience uh, a and then two. I think what he'll bring to the team offensively and defensively that he'll be uh, firmly firmly planted in the in the starting lineup. And if he's not, that is either not a great sign or perhaps one or two players, Withers or one of the younger players has been playing extremely well, but I would expect him to be uh, a constant and, you know, really the number three in terms of uh, scoring threats on the team. Well, once again, you guys have proved to make a terrible game show out of something that's a great concept because you've agreed once again, though I do appreciate the fact that you had to, had to really consider. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to make a, an audible on the fly. We're going to add one more point mm-hmm. I'm going to come to each of you for uh, a, a lightning round or a bonus round of no cap or sus, if you will. Uh, Sherelle, I'm going to come to you first. Uh, this statement, no cap or sus. Johnny T-shirt does not have any really good gear for North Carolina fans. Is that statement no cap or is that statement sus, Sherelle? I believe the kids would say sus AF is what the kids would say. That is absolutely sus AF. Sean, uh, I'm going to assume that you're going to agree there because you guys have done nothing but agree for the last two episodes. <laughs> But anyone that says anything negative about Johnny T-Shirt is absolutely sus. Because Johnny T-Shirt, as we know, sponsors of this program, sponsors of Inside Carolina uh, podcast, content, you name it. Huge, loyal friends of ours. We want you to be loyal friends of theirs locally and alumni-owned and operated East Franklin Street in Chapel Hill. Uh, with the beautiful uh, outings in Keenan Stadium this past week, I know there's a lot of folks that stopped by and, and re-upped their gear and their closet and got some new fits for the season. We're just within a month now of uh, live action with Carolina basketball. You, too, can get some new threads and be ready for basketball. Or you can still go ahead and, and, and upgrade your football gear. I don't care. It doesn't mind to me. But Johnny T-Shirt can take care of that. And if you don't go to Johnny T-Shirt, and if you're not an Inside Carolina premium subscriber, and you don't use your extra 10% off, well, then you are also quite sus. So there you have it. That's the bonus uh, round of No Cap or Sus for this edition of the show. We appreciate Johnny T-Shirt. We appreciate you guys participating in the game show phenomenon that is sweeping the nation. We'll let the national gentlemen and ladies come in and run some advertisements to pay some bills, as my my my, my cohort Tommy Ashley likes to say. Uh, we'll be right back after this to talk a little bit more about some upcoming visits, a little recruiting action, and some new recruiting rankings here on the Coast to Coast Podcast on InsideCarolina.com. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. All right. Thanks for sticking around. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're a part of our little fam here. Uh, I do want to say it was great to meet some folks who 
uh, who listened to the Coast to Coast at the football game the other day. We were doing the IC Live pregame show, which if you do not listen to and you do like football, please check us out uh, at WCHL uh, online. It's chapelboro.com, WCHL's uh, terrestrial radio, or you can watch it on the the IC YouTube channels where you're getting this very same podcast. Uh, Tommy Ashley and I join every game three hours before kickoff to one hour before kickoff, at which time we hand it over to the folks at the uh, Tar Heel Radio Network to get you ready to go. But it's a lot of fun. If you're ever in the Bulls lot, as I was saying earlier, some folks came down and said hello that, that listen to the Coast to Coast. They really appreciate Sean and Cherell. Uh, they hate the host, but they, they're grateful for what you guys bring on the on a regular basis. So uh, it was good to meet those folks that came by and said hello. And we hope you continue to listen to us. Um, gentlemen, as we mentioned earlier, live action with Carolina basketball. And I've gone this far without seeing late night. So I'm, I'm going to give myself a little Barry Horowitz pat on the back action. Uh, is set for October the 13th. Uh, big weekend in Chapel Hill. There's a home football game that day. Uh, 7 p.m. Doors are going to open at 530. Uh, I would like to ask, what do you expect to happen with regard to visits and such going around that, Sherelle? Well, one we uh, confirmed a couple of days ago uh, was that James Brown, one of UNC's 2024 commitments, is going to take his official visit uh, that weekend. And I don't think he'll be the only one, but that's the one we have confirmed thus far. Um, in the past, I know Carolina, uh, or under Hebert Davis, it's kind of been three guys at live action that they've kind of focused on. Um, so I, I think maybe you'll, you'll see that again. Uh, local players uh, come as well if they if they haven't committed elsewhere um, to visit. So th- there's a good crop of young 2025, 2026 players in state. So I think you probably see some of those guys get invites. But you know, as it gets closer, we'll start confirming that stuff. But right now, the one we have confirmed is that uh, James Brown will be there. And you know, aside from something crazy, you would assume Drake Powell will be there too. He's already taken four unofficial visits, I think, since the year started. So he's going to be on campus a lot. He's he's on that uh, that Brandon Ingram plan, huh? Yeah, except for he's going to go to Carolina. <laughs> he's going to end up in Chapel Hill. Yeah, I, I know. I probably probably crossed some eyes pretty quickly with some folks that might be listening to this. But uh, Sherelle also this past weekend with UNC hosting uh, UNC hosting Minnesota in football. Uh, we did have some uh, some visits, both of the uh, or most of the unofficial kind from some players that that came to spend some time uh, on campus. Can you tell us who those were? Yeah, so Carolina had a. Uh, a few visitors, again, uh, in-state guys. So Drake Powell was obviously there uh, because he's going to be on campus a, a ton. Uh, also, there was uh, Cole Kluwer, um, making sure I say his name correctly. He's a 2026, uh, I guess we'll call him wing, you know, guard, wing, forward, versatile player um, from Orange County High School in Hillsboro. Uh, Latrell Allman was also there. He's a, a six eight and a half, I think, you know, six nine ish big man from Richmond. Uh, uh, and then Jackson Keith, a 2025 wing from Southern Durham, was there as well. Keith and Allman both play on uh, Team Loaded on the Adidas circuit, which is also the AAU program of Jalen Withers and Armando Baycott. So and Allman is what? Well, Allman's, I'm sorry, Allman is which class? 25. Uh, he's, he's 26 as well. Okay, yeah. all right. So, so you're 226 is and two, uh, 226 is a 25 and a 24. There you go. Yep. All right. Um, so they were all on campus uh, over the weekend. Uh, we'll have a story up on Kluwer. Um, probably you probably actually have already read it honestly um hopefully it'll 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 have already been posted by the time you see this um but he had a good time uh he had some some insights into pickup uh he played pickup uh drake did as well um not sure about allman if he played or not um and keith played as well so it it was a a good run from from what they said and we'll have additional details but 
Um, no offers were given out to, to either of those guys, but also UNC uh, was at um, Keith's High School yesterday, and they were also at Cooler's High School yesterday. So uh, definitely two guys to watch in-state moving forward. Sean, I'd like to ask you as well, what can you say about any of those four? Well, let's tell you what. Let's take Drake Powell out of the mix because we've all talked about him ad nauseum, and we probably will uh, even a little bit later in the show. But, Sean, can you tell us about anything about the games of either Jackson Keith, uh, Latrell Allman, or uh, Cole Kluwer? I think starting with, with Kluwer, I mean, a lot of people got to watch him during Peach Jam with CP3 making making the run uh, in the 15 and under uh, age bracket. I think I'll be interested to see what size does he does he get to by the time he, he enters high school. Uh, definitely long and lanky right now. Um, you know, for him, it, ability to, to shoot the three-pointer uh, is is probably first and foremost, uh, but I think definitely more than just a shooter, uh, ability to go left and, and drive hard to the basket. Uh, so I think it's going to be fun watching him develop, especially a local local prospect. And then Jackson Keith, he played on the uh, 16 and under circuit, but really strong score, uh, played really well at the Adidas tournament out here in California towards the towards the end of the year, um, almost an all-star event of sorts. Um, really, he, he, he graded out uh, 95th percentile in terms of uh, efficiency ratings on, on Synergy, which I was, was fairly surprised at when, when looking at. So I think, um, you know, one for him, just kind of seeing how he develops, but both of those will be interesting for in-state prospects, just given how talented the 2024 class was and the focus on in-state early on. And 25, that hasn't been the case. 26, uh, starting off just with, with these two, but kind of the North Carolina-Virginia focus. So we'll be interested to track how that continues, uh, more so in the 2025 class, I'd say. One, and one thing to add about Kluwer, uh, he's a really good shot blocker. Um, he self-reports at, at six seven, um, and I think it, it may be just a situation where you know um, he's still growing and he's still one of the tallest players even on fifteens. Um, but he just has great timing if, if you watch him play on on shot blocking. And uh, I, I would share this anecdote. He said basically, you know the the YouTube videos where the kids like line up on the wing and try to dunk on each other. He <laughs> he kind of gave credit to that for him becoming a good shot blocker. He was like, you know, we used to go in the driveway lower the goal to eight and a half feet and try to dunk on each other. And he's like, my timing got really good because we just did it all day, you know, every day. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting. Um, but for for him, that's something that's it's really good in addition to the three-point shot. And then with, with Keith, he's just, he's a really strong, like well-built scorer, you know? And, and I think there might be questions about athleticism or, you know, some some other areas of his game, but in the end, you kind of know he's going to figure out a way on the offensive end to, to get you two points. So um, that's usually pretty important. And to Sean's point, he's very efficient with it. So um, definitely, I, I think we're going to keep a close eye on, on both of those. I can't say this for sure, but I feel relatively confident that the image of a kid in like <laughs> seventh grade trying to, to block dunks on an eight and a half foot goal is going to endear this young man early on in his recruiting to, to a lot of fans, regardless of what, uh, of what fan base they, they, they claim. Um, appreciate the run out there, Sean. I know it's early and it still blows my mind a little to be talking about kids from the 26 class yet. Here we sit. Um, and, and then the last thing we want to talk about with some recruiting stuff, uh, Sherelle, uh, we saw some new rankings. Um, Sean, I'm going to get each one of you guys to speak to this a little bit, but, 
we've now got two UNC commits in the 24 class that are both in the top 10. And I can't remember when the last time that happened. I want to guess it was probably um, the, the, the guys that were on the 09 team. So the 06 class, I get. No. Uh, Ellington and Ellington and Lawson, I feel like, are probably it. Is that right, Cheryl? Okay, you're nodding your head, so I'm assuming yeah, that means yes. Yeah, Brandon Wright, Wayne Ellington, and Ty Lawson. And people and totally forget about Brandon Wright because he was such yeah. a, a last-minute addition and, and was one and done for North Carolina. And the um, funny thing is, the funny thing is, is that, you know, Elliot Cadell would be top 10, too, if he was still in 2024. So, so it would be three. three, which is, yeah, yeah. that's that's absurd. Um, Sean, I'm going to come to you first. What do you think it was about these guys' game? And if it was one thing that pushed Drake up in that top five spot. We felt like it was coming. We talked with some, you know, some of the national recruiting guys for 24-7 that that hinted that they felt really confident about it. I know you've been very much on the on the Drake train. Do you think if you can narrow down to one thing that got Drake Powell into that top five, what was it over the summer? Well, I mean, I think it was his performance at Peach Jam in terms of showing his just everything he can do. But I think in terms of what got him into the top five was still that potential of what he can do given the ability to play on, on both sides, uh, the explosiveness and the size. Cause I still think, uh, you know, he, he has a ways to go to, you know, from a product productivity standpoint of being that consistent top five player. Uh, obviously he showed a lot, a huge, huge growth, um, you know, going from being ranked in the fifties when he was offered, I think a lot of questions, was he going to get an offer uh, in late, late July of last year? So I think he he showed he did turn that potential into production. Uh, but once again, being a top five player, no matter how weak or strong the class is, is still um, something now that will be a, a target on his back. But that consistency play play great in Peach Jam, um, play great first session of EYBL in the spring, struggled uh, in some other times, uh, had some other camps where maybe didn't play at that level. So I think what really got him into that top five was Peach Jam, as well as the potential of what he can be in one to three years um, when you're looking looking out that way. And and make no mistake about it, it's not just, you know, the fact that he's looked good and has continued to improve. I mean, there are legitimate, you know, NBA uh, folks who, you know, work for NBA teams that are, are loving and remarking highly about his game. Sure, last question for the night about these new rankings. Um, you want to go ahead and uh, I'll, I'll throw these out, but what I'd like you to speak to, uh, Drake Powell being number four, Ian Jackson comes in at number 10, and James Brown the third um, brings his hot pants in at 91. I, I'd love for you to tell me what does it mean for North Carolina for their recruiting profile, for Hubert Davis's clout on the recruiting trail, and then looking forward to the 25 class. What does it mean for UNC to have two guys in the top 10 right now? Um, You know, I think not as much as we probably think because in – I think in our minds and some of the fan base's minds, maybe the Carolina brand isn't as strong nationally as it once was. And I mean, I, to a degree, that's a true statement, but I think the degrees to which it is true is, 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 is different from what kind of the narrative I think among a lot of people is. So basically what I'm trying to say is like to the kids, it's still like, wow, I got a Carolina offer or Carolina's interested in me. They're like, that's, that's huge for them. And I think, a lot of times uh, the, the fan base and people who follow this stuff think it doesn't mean as much as it used to. Um, so it's, it's, it's big, it's important because, you know, you want to have that cool factor. And I think <clears throat> even more so, and, and the, you know, nothing against Ian or Drake, more so than those two, I think Cadeau 
kind of was one that raised a lot of eyebrows just because of how he plays and how funny he is to play with, even if the guys in subsequent years probably have no chance of ever playing with him. It just says, you know, Hubert Davis is willing to, you know, let, let me do me basically. And, but, you know, do me within the construct of the team. Uh, and I think that's a, an important message. That's one that even back to Caleb Love and RJ Davis, you know, that has been said over and over. I can't tell you how many times we've talked to uh, guards, guys who, you know, we never even published their their stories because Carolina showed little interest or, or, or no interest where I said, man, he, he gives his guards freedom. Like, you know, look at Caleb Love and now they've got Elliot Cadeau and, and Ian Jackson. And so I, I think um, just having that cachet uh, among those guys is big. Um, but the part about two top tens, I think that's more for fans really and, and people, media who follow it than it is for the players because they see what's on the court and they see what the other players are telling him. And that's how they go about their business. Well, I was trying to, you know, send everybody out tonight with a, a big warm fuzzy, but uh, I do appreciate your willingness, not that you're tearing it down, but your willingness to give it to us honestly. Uh, and maybe you were kind of splitting the difference and going very mid instead of either no cap or sus there. Um, and I think that honesty is, is probably a good frame for us to get out of here. Uh, unless, Unless Sean's going to hit me with two pennies, Sean, you got two two cents you want to throw in here before we uh, before we get out of here from night. I do think uh, Ian Ian Jackson at ten is is too low. Uh, I know we've we've talked about how he's been in the spotlight for so long, and and I think Adam Finkelstein when when he was on, uh, we we went in depth on that. Of it's a little easier for your game to be picked apart. Um, not saying he's a top one or two guy, but I think maybe in that five, you know. Three to three to seven range. Um, so I, I, I have higher expectations for him than maybe the number ten player, which is still pretty high. But just given his scoring ability, I think he's going to be able to bring that from from day one. Um, so I'd say that would be the the main thing for me. And then I think in general, it's probably been the quietest recruiting uh, really since the the spring session. Um, there weren't really any offers that came out of the July periods, which I think. Uh, well, double check with Sherelle, but it's probably unheard of uh, coming out of the, out of the July sessions. And even even last year, uh, the Drake Powell came came in July, and he had committed uh, by early September. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see now with um, the home football games, who's coming to campus, uh, the coaches out on the road, who are they visiting? Twenty twenty five offers out there have been all all been really the top top 10 guys. So mm -hmm. national guys, not local guys, uh, who are the ones that they really decide to focus on and who are the ones that fade away. And then who are those more local guys that start to come in if they're not feeling strong, uh, in terms of their, their placement on, on several of those players. For sure. Cheryl, uh, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? I mean, it doesn't have to be two pennies, but if you got one, we'll, we'll take and add it up. Just sporadic pennies. Uh, so, I'd say that the first thing in 2025, they've offered number one through six in the class and number 17 in the updated ranking. So that tells you where they are there. Um, by the next time we have a coast to coast uh, basketball season, will have started. Practice will have started because I think we're we're still in our every other week. Um, and typically the last week in September, which I guess would be what's today, today, It'll be two so weeks the, from today. Yeah. So the week of September 25th, at, at some point that week, practice will start. 
Um, so it, it's the off season is is kind of over. It, it happened very quickly. It was it happened very quickly, but it also felt like three years. Um, but you know the season is is here. So can can you see what's on my shirt? You I read see. that? Yeah, I see it. There's uh, I see what you did there. You said I see. Aha. There is no off season. None. Zero. Less than zero. Uh, absolutely. And Cheryl makes a great point. You know, by the time we get back into our regularly scheduled. Uh, weekly appearances here on the coast to coast yeah it, we're gonna have real ball to talk about and real practice and and things are becoming more clear so all of you uh, around ball junkies stick with us uh we've gotten through what has been a a pretty busy um beginning to to the summer and then things quiet down as sean said a little bit but it's gonna ramp back up here really quickly i mean think like raccoon on meth quickly it's gonna be insane really really soon um so stick around with us we appreciate you being a part of the show tonight uh, we will be back as schedule permits going live. Most likely we'll be doing live when the show goes back to weekly. But again, there's just so much football content right now that we weren't able to do it this week. Regardless, we hope this hits your feed and was a, a welcome site for you. Thanks to everybody who listened, who's watching this on YouTube, to John Siegley and to uh, producer John Bauman for producing this stuff and making sure that everything gets out to you guys in your feeds. Uh, shout out to Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring us. Uh, again, if you're not shopping at a Johnny T-shirt, that's a sus decision. I mean, there's nothing else we can say about that. And to Sherelle McMillan and Sean Moran for joining us. As always, those guys bring the heat. I'm just here steering the ship. Uh, I'm Joey Powell for Inside Carolina on the Coast to Coast Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Late. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.